Awesome. Who were here last week? Let me just see by a show of hands. We were in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we read a whole lot of verses and spoke about fighting the good fight. And I want to start there again. I want to say again this morning that the charge that, that Paul gave to Timothy is he said, fight the good fight of faith. So what we're saying here this morning and what we're going to talk about is that is our departure point, is where we were last week. Fight the good fight of the faith. That we as Christians are called not to only walk this Christian life, but to put some action to it and to fight the good fight of the faith. So remember that in everything that we're sharing here this morning. The topic that I want to talk about this morning is uh, money. Isn't that fun? I'm going to talk about something that uh, touches all of us daily, right? Let's think about that. And it's funny enough, it's one of those ones that we want to quite sidestep sometimes, and for good reason uh, when we're in church. But you know what? It's, it's an area of our lives that we daily are engaged with in one form or another, whether it's buying, buying bread and milk or paying a bill or thinking about the end of the month that's coming closer. It is just there, and we cannot get away from it, and it will always be there. And I think Jesus knew this, and therefore we would see that this is one of the topics that he spoke quite often and most about. And the last thing that I want you to think is that today is gonna to give you all the answers. I'd rather want us to see it in light of this statement. Fight the good fight of the faith. That is the encouragement to all of us this morning. And you'll see how Paul quickly progresses from what it is to, to fight with, with righteousness and love and gentleness and all these other things. And then suddenly he speaks about money. Because I'm sure that he knew in this Christian walk and the pursuit of running after Jesus, this is one, gonna be one of those things that touches all of our lives. Now let's go back to some of the verses that I read last week to give us context of what we're gonna read today and study today. He says this in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 9, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Can all of us say anything? Can we say that again? Not your new car or the best watch or the Christmas gift that you've been saving for all along. All of those things will go like smoke and disappear the day that Jesus returns. So be wrapping godliness and contentment around your life, he says. But if we have food and clothing, the simple things, the things that our Father need, knows that we need, Matthew chapter 6, with these we will be content. We'll be happy and satisfied and content with that. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. It doesn't say that those who become rich fall into temptation because God has gifted some people with the gift of trade and making money for the purposes of the kingdom we're gonna discover this morning. But it's talking about our desires. Where is our desire? Is our desire after him, this godly pursuit, or is it after the things that we want? And then he speaks about fighting the good fight of faith that we were in last week. And then he talks about money. And he says this, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and be willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Lord Jesus, we pray as we look into these verses this morning that we would feel how you, through your Holy Spirit, instruct us in your word to be people who are generous, who are rich in good deeds, and who are willing to share what we have with others. I pray, Lord, that you would shine on your word this morning and that through the testimonies and stories that we hear today, we will all be encouraged to be content and at the same time, Father, to be ready to share the seed and the finances that you entrust to us in the name of Jesus. And we all say, amen. This scripture that we just read is filled with hope. It talks about focus. Where, where, where is your mind at? What are you thinking about? What are you hoping in? It talks about desire and where are you engaged with the things that God has entrusted to you. Scripture in Corinthians says that everything we have 
financially is seed. In other words, we get to choose where we use it and where it will grow into something, whether it's in the kingdom or in our physical needs or somewhere else. But I want to call my message this morning, one, two, two, three. Can we all say that? We're going to count today as a class. Count one, two, two, three. Okay. And this is a simple numerical sequence that I want you to remember. We're going to see how it's in the passage we just read. That if you ever have to answer, how does God see money in the kingdom? You just say one, two, two, three. Can we all say that again? One, two, two, three. I know it's not correct, and I'm not trying to be correct this morning. I'm trying to help you remember God's view on something. A simple sequence, and I believe this is a kingdom sequence, that if we have to say out of the top of our heads, what does God think about money? We just read it, and I'm gonna show it to you. And the one speaks about that there's one single source, and that's God. So let's start with the one. The one is the source. All things that you have comes from richly from God. Not from your salary, not from the, the work that you do. God just uses that as a conduit to get his provision to you. But your heart has to be before him that you are my source. That you are the one where this comes from. That you have given me the ability and the career and the hands and the feet and the mind to do work. But Lord, it comes from you. The moment we start understanding that our source comes from God and he uses these things, we change our attitude around how we work and how we think about that paycheck, right? Because it's grace. It's just grace. It's what it is. It could be here today and gone tomorrow. It is the grace of God that he supplies for us. So the one is that we have, and I love the words that is used here. We have a source, which is God, and he richly provides everything for us to enjoy. Speaks about enjoyment. Speaks about this life and how this life is, an, is a bit of a reflection of what is to come. And that in this life, there's enjoyment in him being the source and he wants to provide for us richly. He doesn't stand back and stingy and saying, you know what, I'm just gonna give you X, Y, and Z. I believe that God is a God of richness who wants to provide for us richly through the means that he has given us to attain the wealth that we do. But then the two, moving on, he speaks about two hopes. He says, there's a hope in your wealth and there's a hope in the living God. And we've got to think about this. Because if you, if you get to a place and you can move on to the hopes, the two hopes, the next, the next one. If you think about that, so many of us hope in the riches. Well, we just hope if I can just stretch this a little bit further, I can do a little bit more, right? The Bible says, no, hope in God, the living God, who provides for you richly everything for your enjoyment. So we've got to test our hearts and ask, where is our hope? Is our hope in the riches, in the wealth, and it says that those who hope in, the, in their wealth become arrogant and haughty. They pursue, again, not godliness, but, but they pursue their own selfish desires. But there's two hopes, and we've got to choose what hope we put our trust in. The next two talks about two ages. There's the present age, the day that we live in now. You can go on, two ages, the day that we live in now, and the age to come. So let's go back. One, there's one source. Two, we've got to think where we hope. Do we hope in that source or do we hope in what we have and what we can gain? Then, do we live for the here and now and this present age or we do we live for the age to come? Two hopes, two ages. And it says clearly that I want you to put treasure in the future because there you will find that which is truly life. You'll find somewhat of life in focusing on the present age, but if you focus on the age to come in your finances, you'll find that which is truly life. And it brings me to the last number, three. How do we move from this source, from our hope and riches and this present age, this current age, how do we move into hope in God and the future age? And it's three actions. One, two, three, there we go. It says it's simple, good works, be rich in good works. Secondly, be generous. And then lastly, be ready to share. Simple math. 
So we might find ourselves hoping in our riches here. And here's the, the practical application. You might find yourself hoping in God today. And you might look at what you have and you're like, goodness, I can't put my hope in here because this is clearly not gonna get me through. How do you stretch that? You say, I'm gonna be good with this. I'm gonna do some good works. I'm gonna be generous. I'm actually willing, Lord, to share this that I have. Think about the boy with the fish and the loaves. It was his lunch. That's what he had, but he was willing to share it. And then the kingdom came in and God could stretch it to the future age and to where people put their hope in him and not on what they have. Isn't that simple? And I believe if we live like that, I read a statement this week, Mark sent it to me, I'm gonna quote it wrong, but it says the gospel is so complex that theologians and philosophers battle for years to figure it out, yet it's so simple that a child can understand it. I find myself much more in a child's thinking. It's just, I, I really believe that, didn't Jesus say that those believe like children? So I wanna be a child that says, okay God, you know what, you're my source. And I get to choose, I can hope in what I have, or what I can get and gain, or I can hope in you. I'd much rather hope in you because you own the cattle and a thousand hills. And then, you know what, I live here and I know there's stuff that I need, but I'd much rather put my focus on the future and don't focus on the temporal, but the eternal home that you have for us. So I'm gonna put these three actions into my life. I'm gonna be rich in good works, I'm gonna be generous, and I'm gonna be willing to share whatever I have, even if I want that next Budavos roll, because I'm really that hungry, I'm gonna say, God, I'm gonna invite someone for a bride to share my Budavos rolls with them, because they would benefit from it. One, two, two, three. Simple numerical sequence to help us move ourselves away from where money is about us and where money becomes about God. And then the promise, it says those who do it, they will take hold, they will seize, they will own, they will become a ruler in that which is truly life. The Zoe, overabundant, amazing life that Christ has for us in this world and the one beyond, that is the end result of us moving one, two, two, three, until the place where we focus on him. And I wanna ask Donny Vermeulen to come join me this morning. And then after that, I'm gonna invite three more friends. And we're gonna talk to you conversationally about money. I just wanted to show you the math that I use in my, or try to use in my walk with Jesus. Um, but I've got some friends here this morning that's gonna share a little bit about their journeys. And I believe there's something in there for each one of us. So can we open our hearts as we hear the stories of others this morning? Let's give Donnie a hand. Awesome. So for those of you who don't know Donnie, uh, he's become a dear friend to me. Um, we've had many, many conversations and Donnie leads a ministry called Journey of Generosity in Africa, which is a global movement of people that talk um, to church communities, to businessmen, and across the globe about what biblical generosity is. Um, Donnie, I want you to share with us, we know and understand this journey of generosity, but Donnie from Milan, what's your personal vision uh, in the ministry that God has given you? Peter, I've, I've been working in Africa now for almost 40 years uh, in, in 35 different African countries. And one of the things that I've become very much aware of is the dependency syndrome that is in Africa. And um, Africa sees itself as poor and the West as wealthy. And it is a wrong concept. It isn't true. It is, I've, I've since then in these 40 years have discovered very, very wealthy businessmen all over Africa. We've got enough resources in this continent to finance the kingdom of God in such a way that we could actually reach Africa for Christ through the funds that are available. And um, so it is my joy to, to share with wealthy business people across Africa, but also just, you know, with ordinary, because we all share in generosity. My vision is to see us move from dependency to being a dispensary from be, being dependent on being dispensing, where Africa actually funds missions in a great way. And I will give you an illustration of it. 
Now, journey of generosity, we, we, don't, we don't take money from people. We actually just share the, how to get to the point of the joy of giving. Because we've heard so much in church. And, and by the way, I've been long enough in the church to see people as the offering basket goes by. I've never seen one joyful person as that offering basket goes past. It is just get this thing past me, <laughs> you know, and you hide how much you're going to put in or, or you flash it, one of the two, depends which category you're in. And um, so we, we have seen that we've got a third-party um, research company that does the research for us. Since we have started with the journey of generosity a number of years ago, um, let me just talk about last year alone. Last year alone, we have seen 23 million US dollars new money go into the kingdom of God. 23 million US dollars. Where did it go? We don't know. It went into the kingdom. That's what we know. It is, it's, it's gone into kingdom finances. Donnie, um, I want to ask you about Africa. Because the scripture says, instruct those who are rich in this current age to be rich in good works. But you've seen how generosity has come out of very difficult and yeah. challenging circumstances. Now, I think, I don't, I don't want to go this route. If we talk about being rich in this present age, if you look at your life in comparison to the needs of the world, I believe 99.9% .9 of us would fall in the category of being rich. Um, just living where we are, having a car, having a work, having enough food to eat, that puts you in that category. But you've seen in these nations how that's, that, that's not even a measure, yet people do generosity. Share some of that with us. Maybe, maybe I, Pierre, I can use it. Since we are busy getting funds in for India, let me share with you about just one community in India, in Mizoram. Mizoram... Um, is the poorest of the poor, really, 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 really a poor community. A hundred, 108 years ago, they started with, just over 100 years, they started with a project in just a group of Christians. They were, there were only a few Christians in Mizoram, few. And they started with a project where each person every day gives a handful of rice, a handful of rice, into a bucket, and at the end of the month, they take their bucket of rice, they call it bufaitam, and, and they, they take that to the church, the church collects then all this rice, sells it for one purpose, and the purpose was for the Bible ladies, the Bible ladies to go and share in the villages the gospel, and, and it was, that was the purpose of it. The first offering that they, the first sale of the, the, the rice was $1.30. Last year, that project's been going for 100 years. Last year, the Mizoram Presbyterian Church and Baptist Church, just between the two of them, brought in 13 million US dollars through the handful of rice project. The Presbyterian Church grew to 500,000 members as a result of this project. So it was purposeful giving out of the poorest of the poor to see the gospel flourishing. So if it could work there, and, and I can tell you many stories of, in Africa as well, where, where we see complete villages, uh, totally reformed, transformation taking place in them. I want to pick up on something you said. You talked about purposeful giving. And in the conversations we've had, you've always said that's important. What fuels giving um, in the kingdom of God? Pierre, you know, all of us have seen the televangelists um, on television and, and uh, people manipulated in giving emotionally. Or giving out of guilt. Um, and that's why I laugh at the offering basket, you know, because it can either be guilt or it can be just emotional or it can be just traditional. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, better than nothing. Um, but it is not necessarily joyful because it's not purposeful. 
Purposeful giving is when I know that what I'm giving right now is going to bless somebody and result in joy and in thanksgiving to God. Um, and, and we see the illustration uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where Paul comes to, uh, writes to the Corinthian church and he says to them, you remember you made a promise to give some money to the Jewish community in Jerusalem. And, and they, they're struggling, they're poor. And he, and he says to them, if you give, that, by the way, that's where we get that scripture verse that we hear often from church um, when we take up offerings. God loves a cheerful giver. Like that scripture? I hate that scripture. Because it's been manipulated all the time to get people to give. God loves everybody. That word God loves, that, the word love there is different. It's not the agape love. If God takes delight in somebody who gives cheerfully. And when do you give cheerfully? Is when you know that you are filling a need and it is purposeful. If you're just putting money somewhere in a box and my God's water runs over God's acorn. Is that what you said? That's right. Um, so the, the purposeful giving, it, it, it helps people to identify and belong and that their money isn't just emotional or under compulsion, but that decision that they have made in their own heart. And that is what that scripture says. Each man must decide in his own heart. Now, years ago, I, I was in wasn't in this church and I was in a church and I took my wallet out in the offering and I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how much should I give? He said, clean your wallet out. And that morning I had a lot of money. I had a lot of cash. In my, since then I made sure that I don't put in too much money. <laughs> we, we laugh about that, but you know what? God asks for our all. He, if you're going to ask him, he's going to say everything. Because when we came to him, we made a commitment and we said, Lord, I give you my all. I'm yours. So that's the answer he's going to give you. Um, but I often get in, in, uh, in Africa, I've had it several times that people have come to me and said, the church has robbed me from my giving. And I said, what do you mean? And it's happened in different countries, so it, it, it were, it were, these were God moments. And this person would say to me, the church has taught me that I must give 10% to God and the other 90% I can live on. And now that I've done this journey of generosity, I discover, no, it's not just my 10%, my all. All my money belongs to God. And the question is not how much, I must give him is how much may I keep. If we, <laughs> now you're quiet. <laughs> but if we really say, Lord, everything belongs to you, my all is yours, then our prayer is not, God, how much must I give? Is how much may I keep? That's kingdom. Because we serve a kingdom. And the kingdom works on finance. It operates on finance. And we'll talk about that maybe a little later. Awesome. Um, it's great to understand the Bible. I want to encourage you to read your Bible deeply and ask questions. Because Donnie asked the question, God loves the cheerful giver, so it doesn't mean he doesn't love everyone. It's a good question to ask. So let's go and read it deeper and understand that the context that it was written in, he delights. Because he loves us all the same. And you said the other day that we give because he gave first. Um, and, and out of that, there's a grace of giving that the Bible speaks about. He gives us the grace to give. Just like he gives us the grace to forgive, he gives us the grace to live this Christian walk. The Bible says he gives us all the gifts we need pertaining to godliness. So he again, like we shared with the Holy Spirit series, he empowers us even in our giving. Yeah, if I, if I can read it, that scripture verse that you're referring to um, here, it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, 
it says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. What is the grace of giving? The grace of giving is, uh, in Sunday school, we teach the children, grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. So Christ became poor, and this is what the scripture says, so that we may become rich. Okay, now rich is unclarified, but that is what the Bible says. Um, not wealthy, rich. And so that you may excel in the grace of giving. Why is it a grace? It's a privilege. It's something, grace is something which actually doesn't belong to me and something which I don't deserve that God gives me so that I can make a decision. Each person must make a decision in his own heart how much he will give. And some of the, some of the funds that we receive you know, the, the scripture speaks of two things, the seed of, you know, the sower, and in Second Corinthians chapter 9, it talks about seed, and it talks about bread. Seed is something which you plant. Bread is something which you eat. And sometimes my wife, Cherise, and I, when, when, when we look at our funds, we ask the Lord, how much of this is seed? Or if we get an extra amount of money in for some reason, we ask the Lord, is this seed or is this bread? Because sometimes God says, this is not yours. You're just a channel. You're just passing it through. Donnie, I want to ask a question that I think everyone has battled with, and I, I'll be vulnerable and include myself in that, in my own journey and pursuit of godliness, in light of what Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Why should we give to our local church, would you say? Well, first of all, Pierre, it's kingdom economics. Um, a kingdom cannot function without finance. And the gospel is free, but everything that goes around the gospel is not free. We can send missionaries freely, but we have to send missionaries with a support. And the word also teaches us that we must share with those that that are in the full-time capacity and make sure that, that we don't muzzle the ox. Now, one of the scripture verses that we use a lot, and also it, I, every time that, that I'm told, go to Malachi, um, then I think, oh, here we go. Um, and we say, well, you know, it says bring the seed, bring all your first fruits, bring the tithe to the storehouse, and, and, and we conclude that the church is the storehouse and we should bring 10% to it and so on. Well, yes, you can. You can make that extrapolation. But um, I think, I think we, that's where we're shooting the church in the foot. Because when we see the first expression of giving in the New Testament, it was not based on a law of bringing 10% to the, and by the way, that 10%, that, that tithe, was the first fruits of the crops, and that gave, was given to the temple, and the Levites and all the poor could eat from there. So it was purely a benevolent fund. So it's not a, it's not a great scripture to use. The scripture to use is, the first giving that took place in the New Testament says, and people sold their houses and they brought all their money and they put it at the apostles' feet as the Holy Spirit directed them. It was a, it was a move of God. Now, I'm not saying that is what we, we should do, that you should sell your house and give it to the church, or maybe you should. Um, um, no, no, no. It, it, it was the first expression was, as the Holy Spirit directs us, let us sow into this and make sure that we see kingdom economics, that the church doesn't prosper in more lights and more this and more that. 
but that we can see, and, and this is why Cherise and I are in this church, is because we, we can see where the kingdom economics are functioning. We see all these outreaches. We see uh, Zola. We see Kimberlicha and, and et cetera. It's, it's, there's a kingdom economics that is functioning here that is not a consumerism, but a spirit of giving that we have. I'll pay my tithe afterwards to you to thank you for that. No, it's just a joke. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to I lean into something you said. It, we know that the scripture says that they sold the stuff they had, houses, I don't know how that would relate to, to today, but they took the money to the leaders, yeah. and the leaders were responsible to distribute it rightly. Now, I'm sure that many of us have had manipulative, broken moments where that, that happened, but there was broken leadership or misused finances. And we, we heard today, we feel we cannot trust, so therefore we don't give. What advice do, would you give to someone who battles with some of those thoughts? That You've been in a place before where you've done that and you've entrusted, but looking back, there's been a lot of hurt. But you want to give again. How do you move beyond that hurt? Well, I think here again, it must... A, a discernment, you know, so, so often we manipulate it and we've got to ask ourselves, am I being manipulated into giving by fancy modern day means of doing it? Or is this a request where I can see, I know where, this fun, where these funds are going? The, the, the second thing we've got to watch out for is that we, we don't give because we want something out of it. That's not, that's not grace of giving. That's manipulative giving as well. You see, the, the, the difference, the prosperity message that we hear that is being preached is all about getting. Generosity is all about giving. There's a big difference between the two. And when we become a generous church, I believe that the spirit, the spirit that dwells in our house, like I have no problem because I know these leaders. I know you and I know the rest of the elders. I have no problem to trust you because you have walked blameless before us. You have shown the finances. We, we can see what has happened to the funds. It's been well executed, etc. And obviously, you will be heard. I've been singed quite a few times, believe me. Um, but, you, but you learn to trust a leadership and therefore be careful before you just do a thing. What is your motive of giving? That's good. That's awesome. Can we give Donnie a hand for some of those thoughts? Um, I'd, like, I'd like to invite three more guests. Uh, Omar Gita. Yeah, I just want to... Just so let want me invite them. And invite then can, her and yes. then I say something while she comes. Uh, Daphne and Matt, Matt, can you guys come join us up on, on the stage? We'd like to uh, hear from you. Donnie? Skepticism, um, yes, in w being skeptic in, in, in not wanting to give. Skepticism is not towards giving, is skepticism towards God's word. So we've got to be careful, weigh up what you're doing with God's word. It's a good way. And, and that's the very reason I've asked these three friends to join, this, join me this morning to tell their stories. Now, I want to go back to the three arrows. How do we move our kingdom understanding of finances from the, the, the hope in wealth and the present age into the future age and the hope in God and it's through good works being generous and being willing to share and we're going to hear a story of good works this morning of being generous and being willing to share and I'm going to ask Omagita to share her story with us um, the Lord has really placed on her heart with the means that she has a very simple ministry um, where she shares the gospel of Jesus in a very practical but also in a giving way. It takes time, effort, energy, and finances for her to 
to share the gospel of Jesus in this creative way. Why don't you tell us how you are reaching good works in what you do and in sharing with others? You know, when we become a child of God, we want to go and to give something to Jesus because all our, all our thinking is just on him. We want to improve. We want to give him something. And I said when I was thinking, um, God gave the one thing into me, but then he said, wait. I was living in the Eastern Cape, and when I came, when I moved from the Eastern Cape to Cape Town, because my daughter was there, I um, was, um, she brought me to a small congregation, a German one called Stadtmission. I never heard about that, but um, the Stadtmission had a big um, resource of parents actually in the German International High School in Cape Town. Now to reach that parents for, to become Christians was quite difficult, ne? especially with the Germans. So, <laughs> so when, when that high school had a bazaar, the Stadtmission asked, could they have also a table where they can um, put their names on and speak to the people? And it was agreed, yes, you can have a table, but you are not allowed to sell something. And here the Lord gave me immediately the words, but we can give something away. So in half a week, three girls together, we, we had to bring packages, we had to bring all our ideas our ideas together, how to do it. I am a biscuit baker, and okay, biscuits, but I mean, we must have some words with the biscuits to, to put Jesus into the picture. And we had a teacher student from Stellenbosch, and she was so blessed to get the right words together. Right? We've got a picture there of what the biscuit looks like. Did you know you are unique and the Jesus Christ loves you? So actually, it, it cuts, it, it gives you a bump if you read it. That's awesome. So, so, Omagita didn't stop at the Stadtmission station. She then said, well, God, you can, you can use me to, to bake biscuits and share this with everyone around. So now she bakes biscuits every week and you put it in your car, right? And then you drive around and you dish them out. <laughs> I, have, I have a small bake and I put, 20 up to 30 um, bags into, and then I am, I am allowed to join the Mama Temba group, and we go from bed to bed at the hospital, and I say to the ladies who just are finished with their big job to bring a baby into the world, I say to them, I want to give you an encouragement. And then I let them read the words that they really, that I know they understand. It's amazing. So I was, Omagita was laughing because I made a joke. She, she finds herself walking across um, Somerset West. 
And we've often had this discussion, like, no, no, we, we can organize lift clubs. And, but we were there this week visiting with her, asking about the cookies and the biscuits that she gives out. And she says, yeah, I've been to the taxi rank, giving people biscuits at the taxi rank. I've been to the police station. So everywhere she walks, she has some biscuits with her, and she shares the gospel of Jesus. It was something that she made with her hands and dishes out to other people. Isn't that amazing? And then she told me the beautiful story, and I wanted to share something with you. It's something that Donnie uh, told me one day. He said, generosity begets generosity. The more generous you become, you'll see generosity coming your way. Tell us a story about the flower that you were given, and we've got a picture. You see, when, when I came here, um, dear Werner um, was given the task to, to give me a first lift last year on the 2nd of April. I came into the hall and there was against the screen, there is joy in volunteering. And I started laughing because I came from Durbanville, from the German school children after 13 years volunteering there and I wanted to ex, what? Um, now? To, to expand my field here in Somerset West. It's amazing. Yeah, and so while it, it was, I had to wait quite a while here that they trusted me. I mean, I was a foreigner. And so I said, okay, let's step into the water and greet the people like me on the street corners here at Lord Charles. Um, they are selling their crafts, and I greeted them, and, and now I cannot, I cannot buy something from you, but I will give you something. And then I gave the leader of them some bags, and he um, distributed them under his door. And since then, we became friends. One day, I became got a flower from them. And you know, it is really, yeah, heartwarming. Yeah? That's yeah. amazing. Can we give her a hand? That's amazing. <laughs> so this is a minister of the gospel and she has expanded her reach. And I wanna, can we pray for her as a faith community? Because she, she does something so simple yet so powerful. And that's what Jesus did. He walked amongst the people and he just gave. So I want us to come around Magita as a faith community and just pray for this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this woman of faith, a practical woman, Father, who's taking your word in a practical manner and applying it to her life and using what you've given her, the ability to bake, to share your gospel. We pray your blessing upon her, Lord. I pray, Lord, that she would see a harvest of souls um, come in for your kingdom. And Lord, I know she won't see all of them now, but one day in heaven, the celebration of the souls that were impacted by a biscuit and those words that you've placed on her heart. So we speak, Lord, for open doors, for conversations. Lord, we pray your protection over her, your guardian angels to be around her as she ministers your gospel. And Lord, we thank you that we see on her life what it is to walk in the grace of giving, that she's graced by you to do this. And we honor you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Daphne, let me move over to you. I'll get back to you. Ladies first. Um, I want to talk about being generous. Um, getting to know you and Stefan a little bit, generosity is something that, that comes out of your life, the way you speak. Um, talk to us about why you believe generosity is important. Um, I think when you have Jesus in your heart, it's a natural thing. Um, it's over when you have, when you've got Christ in your heart, it overflows, and nothing is ours anyway. So it's just giving back what He has given to us. Awesome. Now you've got a story to tell us of recent that Stefan told me about work and having to make a decision in light of that. Um, please share the story with us, your decision and why you made that specific decision. Um, recently, I was contacted by a recruitment agent. To, for a position with a very large e-commerce online company in Cape Town. I wasn't specifically looking for a job, 
But as we are building a house, and my husband is having small um, heart attacks every night <laughs> on the budget, I thought mm, maybe it's a good idea to um, just go for the interview. And um, it's an amazing op opportunity, um, a very, very good salary, and the position fit like a glove as well. And both of us were quite excited thinking, oh, this could possibly, this might God be God's answer to financial challenges that would, you would have in a normal building project anyway. And um, went for the interview, basically got it. Um, they thought, you know, this, they've been looking for somebody for quite some time and I will be ideal. And we prayed about it and we didn't have peace, realizing that it would take me away from 12 hours a day from, from home because of the travel going to Cape Town and coming back, which will then also take me away from, from church events, from church groups, from life group, from, from getting involved in church and doing kingdom things. This will be flinging me into the workspace again, being, have, having worked many years before. And, and we just had no peace about it. Um, and the amazing thing is after that opportunity came um, on, 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 our, on the table, I thought, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea for, for us to work because um, Ephesians 4 verses 28 says it's good to work because it's good to give to those who don't have anything. And um, I th we thought, you know, God, it would be awesome if I could possibly have a position in um, Somerset West, you know, but something flexible. I'm a mum. I have to be around for the kids in the afternoons. So that will be awesome. And um I thought, oh, I'm just curious. I've heard of this thing recruit my mom a couple of years ago. And I thought, oh, let me just register, you never know. And within one week of registering, they contacted me for a position that's in my line, which is very rare. And I went, we went there for the interview and I started the Monday for a flexible position working six hours from home in Somerset West. Amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> I've got to tell Stefan, just part of Stefan's version, he told me when this, this position was offered, he says, yeah, I can only imagine the cars we can buy with that salary. <laughs> so that's the male version of it. But um, he said, but then the Lord said, no, we've got to wait, it's not right. But what I hear is you, you make a decision based on value. You value family, you value being involved in ministry, you value bef over and above. Um, is that something we've got to do with generosity and when we make these decisions about our money? Definitely. Um, first, it's uh, seek the kingdom of God. So when an opportunity comes to you, I think we have to be careful. Sometimes when good things come to you, you always think it's from God. It might be a hindrance. It might be something to distract you from the kingdom. So the first question is always, is this blessing from God or is this a distraction? Is this, is this a worldly distraction which is just going to take me away from God? So yes, value is God comes first, family comes first, church comes first. And if, if your uh, temptation if it does not fall into that, then it's a temptation that was not from God. That's awesome. Great. Let's give Daphne a hand. Thanks for sharing that story. Um, so this is Matthew. For those of you who don't know, he and Michelle and the beautiful two kids have joined our church sometime last year, right? Was it this year? No, last year. It was, must have been last year. Um, from Zimbabwe. Um, and, um, but they've been in Cape Town for quite some time. And then Matthew and I found, found ourselves at the end of last year in a situation where there was massive need of people that we both knew um, in that time. And Matt came to me and he just said, Pierre, uh, listen, if there's anything we can do, and, we, and he shared with me what they've already done to help these people. He said, that's not a question, we'll help more. And it just hit me like someone is willing to share and has done it, but saying, doesn't mean now I've done my part and I move on. I'm willing to share even more if that's required. And I've asked Matt to share with us, why do you live that lifestyle of willingness to share what God has entrusted to you? Um, so my, well, our testimony is um, I lost my parents when I was 15. Just, up, just before my 16th birthday, my younger sister was 11. The youngest was about eight or six. So we both, we lost both the parents then and our lives went from a normal life to immediately chaos. So we instantly became orphans 
Um, and you can imagine with the economic situation in Zimbabwe, the people who provide for you, your breadwinners, your parents, your security, your safety, immediately are taken away. So it was very hard, it was traumatic, it was difficult. And I remember I'd just become a Christian. So you've just started knowing Jesus. You've just started knowing a few memory verses. If I pray, uh, God will answer my prayers. And then that happens, you know. And so it was a very difficult time. And I was like, God, where are you? You know, I've just committed my life to you. And then this happens, you know. And I had a lot of, I had a lot of biological family, uncles and aunts. And, you know, they came to me as the eldest. And they were like, you need to be strong. Now you need to be the man of the house. And, you know, they gave me all these things. And, you know, but yet in my heart, I was grieving. I was in trouble and I was like, God, you're a good God. If you're a good God, why is this going on? And I couldn't find any comfort or any solace or any support from my biological family. And then a lady from the church um, bought me a book, a small book called God Understands. It was like very, I think, like six pages only. It's like a small book called God Understands. And it's about the story of Job. And, you know, I, I, when I was crying and grieving by myself, I decided to open this book and I started reading how God understands when we go through tribulations and we go through trouble, you know. And from that first book that I got from this Christian lady, you know, she became the voice that I could listen to. You know, she, she said to me, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have pain. Jesus is crying with you and he's, he's feeling your pain. He's feeling your, you know, and don't be strong. Don't try and be a man. This is a time for you to, to lean on God. And she was the very first voice that spoke to me. And from then on, I started realizing that my church family became even closer than my biological family. So at 16, 17, you know, there'd be youth camps and people in the church would pray for me to go to youth camp. You know, people in the church would come and check up on me. People in the church would, I remember when I finished school, my very first CV, one of the guys from the church came to me and said, do you know how to do a CV? And I was like, no. <laughs> you know, he sat down with me the whole day, typed it out for me, printed it on his printer, gave me, made a few calls and said, hey, go there. I've spoken to this person, go and get a job. And so I saw all these people doing all this, you know, and these were not my biological family. These were people I went to church with. And when I was a young person, I, my initial impression was, you know, they're just doing this because they're good people. And then later I started to think, well, maybe they're doing this because they want trying to impress the pastor. You know, they must see, you know, I'm the one who gave him this. But then I, I later learned that they were doing this because that is the father heart of God. They did this because they were actually living what the Bible says, caring for the orphan, caring for the widow, caring for the needy and the oppressed. And so because... I saw that love in my own life. Right now, whenever my family and I, when we, we hear this type of situations, we don't need anyone to convince us. We don't need a televangelist to come and say, hey, uh, the moment we just hear it, our spiritual antennas just say, opportunity to do for these people exactly what other saints way back did for us. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Sure. I want to ask you one more question, but before I do, I, I want to just go back to something Donny said and we, we just spoke about is in the New Testament, it was in that community that they shared and they had a willingness to share and they brought their stuff and they sold what was excess and they brought the money. And what I love hearing is your story of community because it's also in that that the Bible says we become a witness, the way you love one another, a people that would sell their excess to help a people who don't have. That's, that's the heart, father heart of God, where we really live like that. I want to ask you a bold question. Is it always easy and simple to be willing? Or are there days where it's just like, uh, no, I, no, I don't want to. Or is it, is it, is it that simple? So to, to be very honest with you, and I don't want to over-spiritualize this, um, it's easier, like she said, when Christ is within you. Mm. you know, so our natural self is... I want to have security. I want to show next year I've got enough money for school fees for the children. I want to make sure if the car breaks down, I've got a motor plan. So naturally, we want to do with whatever we can in, in our canality to ensure that we, 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 we are secure, we have funds and so forth. But the, the struggle for me that I've had is I look back at my life and I look at people who were in similar situations with me who didn't get the opportunity that I got. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm looking at people who are orphans and this and that, and I'm saying, God, you are so good to me that you created all these opportunities. You gave me a job. You gave me a wonderful wife. You gave me children. You gave me all this. You know, how can I hold on to this and not also pass it on? And, you know, and one thing that has helped me, um, and for single people, if you're in the crowd, find or get married to someone who has no issue with giving. It makes it a lot easier. It makes it a lot easier. So, so I believe God puts a burden on everyone. You know, my personal burden may not be his burden. I mean, I, I can walk by and the moment I see an orphan, because I was an orphan, I'll take off my shoes. You might see a homeless person, he'll take off his watch, and I'll walk past him, you know. But God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to us. He imprints this burden on us. And when you share with your, with your, with your wife or your husband or whoever you're staying with, and you say, hey, God is, God is impressing on us that we need to buy a blazer for that young man. You know, if you're with someone who's on the same bandwidth, they'll just be like, do you know what? God is also speaking to me. Go for it. It makes it much easier. If you then go into the debate of saying, I think God is saying, and she's like, but we haven't bought shoes, and then it, it becomes very, very difficult. So having a partner who has got the same, the same burden makes it a lot easier. Awesome. Yeah. To the married people, we'll be praying for spouses after the service. Just send them here as well. Donnie, I want you to conclude with a, with a final thought. It's the story of the temple tax when the guys came and they wanted to get the temple tax from one of Jesus' disciples and they didn't have the money to pay the temple tax. And I want you to share that, that thought with us around that and then we're gonna end this, this morning. I'm looking for the weirdest person that exists on earth. Anybody here that enjoys it to pay tax. You just love it. You just find such excitement to pay tax. No, it doesn't exist. Peter was walked past the temple, and the temple tax guys came to him and said to him, listen, you and your master, you are behind in your temple tax. Now, that is something significant, and I'll be very short. The significance in this is that Jesus knows what it's like when the budget doesn't work. He understands it. He, at that moment, he had debt. There was one thing that God wanted in all the universe. He created everything that you can put your eyes on. He created it. But there was one thing that he did not have. And that's why Jesus came. He didn't have us. And he came to die on the cross so that he could have us. And so Peter walks into the house after being confronted. And before he could speak, Jesus spoke. And you, you check it up in your Bibles. Jesus said to him, what are you thinking, Simon? Now, there's something significant in this. Peter, uh, Peter's name was Simon. That was his real name. And it means reed, instability. And Jesus, when he met him, said, I'm no longer going to call you Simon. I'm not no longer going to call you unstable reed. I'm going to call you Petros, which means small rock, stable. And so for the first time, <laughs> Jesus says to him, what are you thinking, Simon? Very interesting too, the word think in the Greek is like the word love. It has different references, different words in the Greek for think. There are two different words. One is krino and the other one is dokeo. Now krino is your, your uh, dokeo is your normal thoughts that you think about, you know, you, your, your normal thought, thought life. But krino is that analytical thing of when you are having a huge problem and you've got to find a solution and you're trying to work it out. And so what really happened is that as Peter walked in, Jesus said to him, what are you trying to work out in your head? Unstable, read. So 
Peter said to him, you know, we're behind in our temporal tax. Jesus says, yes, I know. And Peter says, how are we going to pay that? Uh, possibly Judas was already taking some money out of it. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, well, let me first tell you, um, we are sons of the king, aren't we? And Peter said, yes, we are sons of the king. He says, well, the, the sons of a king, they don't really have to pay tax. But for their sakes, we're going to pay tax. And, and you know how quick our mind flips? I can, I, can, I can see how Peter says, with what? How are we going to pay this? And Jesus said, tomorrow morning, you're going fishing. Now, again, how quick the mind is. Peter's trade is fishing. He's a fisherman, a professional fisherman. And so in his mind, obviously at that moment, he thought, okay, that makes sense. Well, I'll go and fish, sell the fish, and, and we paid the temple tax. But it, the temple tax was more than just one day's fishing. And then Jesus said to him, but wait a minute, wait a minute. You're only going to catch one fish. And in that fish's mouth is going to be a four drachma coin that will pay for your tax and my tax. Now, I like fishing. I'm, I'm a very keen fisherman. And I've checked every fish's mouth that, I, <laughs> that I've caught. <laughs> Never seen a coin. And I can imagine my, what must have gone through Peter's mind. He's caught thousands of fish. And now he's told he must look into this one fish that he's going to catch into his mouth. And he's going to find the coin. I can imagine he didn't sleep well that night. Or what if, and, and etc. One fish. What was the purpose behind it? Jesus sent him back to his trade and said, Peter, I'm sending you to your business, your old business. But you're not going to provide for the kingdom. My father is still going to be the provider. Through your trade, my father is going to provide. He's going to create an opportunity for you that you have never experienced in your life before. And that, for business people, I want to encourage you. There, there are coins out in fish's mouths for you. But God wants to provide for the kingdom of God through your business. Now, just to end off, there's a story inside of the story which obviously happened. Somebody dropped a coin accidentally. There was a fish swimming in the sea of Galilee and saw this bright little thing and looked like a fish and he thought, here's my bait and he grabbed it and it got stuck in his mouth. He couldn't swallow it. But that next day, in his hunger, or maybe Peter was fishing with a net. He was rescued. I think the fish lived. I think Peter just took the coin out and said, there you go, fish, go and swim. Jesus became poor so that he could identify with every one of us. He had needs so that he could identify with all of us. He didn't have enough money to hire a donkey to go into Jerusalem. So he had transport problems as well. You got transport problems? Jesus had them as well. May God bless you and may, he, may you see in your daily life his provision come so that you can be generous, as the scripture says, on every occasion. Generosity means willing, a willingness to part with, a willingness to give more than is necessary. And there was the widow's mite. I forgot. I actually have a replica of the widow's mite. I brought it from Israel. You wouldn't have been able to see it It's a, from here. It's a little, little, little coin like this. She had one little mite. She made it into the scriptures. We, the wealthy people that turned away also made it in the scriptures. But this widow that had one little mite, and gave that to Jesus. He said, oh, what a woman of faith. Listen.
Let's give them a hand. Thanks for sharing. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these encouraging stories of hope. Lord, we want to act on the words of Paul to Timothy that we say we put our hope in the living God. Lord, who sends fish and directs coins and know our needs even before we can say we need who know the things that we need in this world, Father, who gives us the ability to share your gospel, to think about your kingdom, who, who leads us to live from value and make decisions based on value, not on temptation and our emotions, Lord, and which essentially called us to be a community of faith that share what we have with one another so that the world can see that we are your disciples. And that's where we put our hope this morning. I pray that we would be inspired, Lord, that we would move from this present age to the coming age in our thinking, Lord, that we wouldn't trust on our wealth, but we would trust in you. Lord, and that ultimately we would do these three things. Be generous, be rich in good works, and be willing to share. We pray that, Lord. May everyone be blessed this week. May there be stories of fish and four dragma coins and your provision in everyone's lives. And we honor you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.